0: Welcome back to the Fantasy Front Office podcast for the week of May 14th, 2018. This is episode 41. This week we're going to talk about some of the hot prospects on the horizon, and of course the hot ads of the week, and why you should be looking at some of these guys. And now, entering your ears, your Fantasy Front Office. Around the front office with me this week are Todd and Phil. Keith is out on rehab assignment and we'll hope to have him activated next week. Well, guys, on the horizon here, we had the troll heard round the fantasy world this morning. Vlad Guerrero Jr. posted a photo of him at JFK Airport. And guess what? The Blue Jays are also in New York this week and sent shockwaves across the fantasy seen as everybody was scrambling to find out if he was called up but turns out he posted a photo similar in december from a trip that he had made. So <laughs> what should we be looking for with Vlad? Because before the season, we were talking September call-up, but so far this season, he is destroying minor league pitching. Should we be looking for a, a June call-up for him?
1: I don't know. I think June would be a little bit too soon. They're probably going to keep him down for a little bit longer. Uh, I wouldn't be surprised that a June call-up. I just don't think that that's something that's going to happen. I think they're going to let him sit down and bash with his boy Bo down there when those two guys come up, it's going to be real fun to watch that corner of the infield, or that side of the infield. Um, it's going to be, you know, similar to, to me. I know I'm kind of putting the cart before the horse, but similar to when, you know, uh, you see Andrus and, and Beltray over there playing shortstop and third base. Yeah, I think it's going to be real fun to watch.
0: Yeah, I mean, he has an OPS over 1,000 in the minors right now, absolutely killing the ball. Um, I think it's a little interesting that he's only at double-A right now. So I um, wonder if they would want to move him up to AAA before promoting him to the majors. But, I mean, he's going to be a surefire stud. He's, he's been killing it this year. All right. Our boy, Nick Senzel, he was hitting pretty well at AAA and then ended up with a bout of vertigo. And this has shut him down twice this season. And it's one of those diseases where you kind of hope that it clears up and you never run into it again. But it's quite debilitating. So I don't... I don't see him getting called up anytime soon because once he gets back and back playing, he's going to have to do some rehabbing and getting back on a roll before they call him up to the big leagues. Are you guys seeing anything really with him before September almost?
1: I do think that he will get called up before September, Um, but here I am reading uh, the definition of vertigo and it does not sound great. It's a sensation of whirling and loss of balance. Associated particularly with looking down from a great height, or caused by a disease affecting the inner ear or vestibular nerve. Um, so that that doesn't sound great. Uh, I'm no doctor, but anytime that you're going to end uh, go with whirling and loss of balance for a baseball player does not sound promising. Um, I really like his skill set, but if he's got something like this that can potentially be something that lingers, um, I don't think that. I'm not high on him anymore. Wow.
0: Yeah. Sounds crazy. I just yeah. <laughs> it's uh, it's something that happened to him last year. He did end up getting shut down. I think in August or September, and was done kind of for the year. But then again, he played all spring and was lighting things up. No issues. It's it's a little difficult to to kind of gauge what this is going to do. Like with a concussion, you can say. Uh, there's going to be lingering effects, but he's going to be able to play. I don't know with this right now. Yeah, I mean, it's obviously a really scary situation, and it does delay the timeline. I mean, here's a guy we thought that could be up a couple weeks ago, so the Reds have shown um, they've been cautious about calling him up, and... Obviously, September might be a best-case scenario for them. All right, and on to San Diego. They seem to have quite the glut of prospects available. Luis Urias, the shortstop middle infielder, will uh, eventually get called up here, and he's been tearing it up at triple a are we seeing this as a potential call-up here to solidify some of that middle infield there in san diego honestly
1: i don't think that he's that great of a hitter i know he's really young and he's done decent at other stages but he's really not a guy that that i'm really targeting the guy that i really really like in that system is maybe a, a year or two away um and that's you know fernando tatis jr he is killing it um but Urias, I mean, he's he's pretty young, but he's in the Pacific Coast League and he's batting 270. Uh, that's really, and you know, he's only got three home runs. It's not really something that I think that he's going to have huge power numbers. He might have a better average than that. But, I mean, if you're in the Pacific Coast League and hitting 270, when you come to the majors, I don't know what you're going to hit. Not great. <laughs> but he does walk a lot and not strike out that much. So, I don't know, maybe he could do a little bit better. Maybe he's just getting unlucky right
0: now. And the other San Diego name here, Franmil Reyes. He was the big, big slugger there in uh, AAA for San Diego, batting 346 with an on-base percentage of 442 and a, sl- and a slugging of 738 with 14 home runs, leading all of professional baseball so far this year in 36 games. Got the call up today, Monday. This will be an interesting experiment to see if he'll be able to adapt to major league pitching Phil you and I were discussing this that we both picked him up on a flyer this weekend what what are you seeing
1: yeah the thing with him uh I saw something crazy and he wasn't even on my radar and I'll be completely honest with you I didn't even notice until he got called up that he was leading you know professional baseball in, uh home runs right now essentially I saw a thing where it said last year he stopped trying to hit home runs uh that he wanted to hit more line drives really and that was and that was in august And since August, he has crushed it and hit way more home runs than what he was hitting before. And so it kind of goes to show you that, like, if you try too hard to do the home run thing, the fly ball revolution, you're just gonna hit a lot of fly ball, like a little, a lot of pop ups, and you're gonna get a lot of outs. Right. Um, not not really be the best hitter. But if you try and you understand the fly ball revolution and you try to hit line drives that have a little bit of elevation, that's when you're gonna hit a whole bunch of home runs. And I think that's what he's figured out. Um, I mean, I don't think that he's gonna have a great batting average because he is in the Pacific Coast League, so that's you know one thing I was just talking about. But I do think that he's. Gonna have some legitimate plus plus power. Uh, He's got some holes in his swing, but he also has you know a pretty good eye at the plate. So uh, I think he would be a guy that you know I picked him up in a twelve team league. You picked him up in a ten team league. um, You know dynasty format. He's really nice prospect uh, at this point because he's already in the major leagues. But I think overall he's one of the better guys in their in their system.
0: I've had my eye on him for a couple weeks now, just due to he went off for eight home runs within calendar week. Yeah. And as you were saying, he's just been lighting it up with the bat. And a lot of people were saying, well, why, why wasn't he on anybody's radar? Um, and because he wasn't on the top 20 or top 30 within the Padres organization coming into the year. And as you said, he he made a, a conscious swing change in August of last year, which really wouldn't have put him on anybody's radar this far into the year.
1: Yeah, I mean, it's th- it's things like that that you really have to pay attention to if you can really uh, get like in with somebody who's a minor league scout, things like that. Um, you know, not necessarily a scout, but somebody who is, is following uh, minor league players, a couple of guys on Twitter. Ralph, uh, what's his name? Ralph Lischitz I can't even. Yeah, Litschitz. There you go. Um, He's he's at games all the time, and I get to watch you know at bats of Vladimir Guerrero Jr., you know Bo Bichette, all of these really awesome players. Who you know if you don't get a chance to go to the game, you at least get an idea of how good of these players are. Um, So you know he's one guy that. You you have to understand a little bit more about him to, to really fully appreciate what he's done so far this year. Because like I said, if you didn't know that thing about the change, you might just think that it was just a fluke. Might be more real than fake at this
0: point. Yeah, he's going to be an interesting one to watch and hopefully things work out. And coming up after the break, we are going to hit the hot ads for this week. Has your fantasy baseball team ever caught the injury bug and it cost you your shot at winning your league's prizes? If so, look no further than Rotosurance, the leader in fantasy sports insurance. Their insurance coverage can save you your league's investments with policies as low as $1.50 a season. Be sure to use the promo code FFO in all caps throughout the season to show your support for the show. Just visit rotosurance.com. That's R-O-T-O-S-U-R-A-N-C-E.com. Simply select your sport, your league's entry fees, and choose the players you want to insure. Don't lose your money this season due to unforeseen injury and protect your team at rotosurance.com. This week has seen a lot of crazy additions, and I can't believe some of these guys aren't owned in more leagues. Uh, We had to excuse Todd for some technical difficulties. Make sure he sees the trainer and hopefully we'll be able to join us on the next show. So for hot ads, first base has seen Matt Adams gain fifty-four percent this week to now being eighty percent owned. Um if you follow me over the weekend. I tweeted out a graphic describing the dominance at bat that Matt Adams has shown since the calendar turned from April to May, and he has just been tearing up pitching. Uh, he's got seven home runs on the month and an OPS north of 1200, wow. with a Woba of over 500, an ISO over 500. 15 RBI, uh, give or take one from yesterday or today. But here's where it gets really interesting. His hard hit percentage is at 50% since May 1st. His pull percentage is 53%. Combine that with his 47% fly ball. Uh, that pretty much explains his 41% home run to fly ball percentage. Pretty much he's been pulling the ball, hitting it hard, and in the air, and that generally equates to a lot of home runs.
1: But can also equate to a lot of outs later on because home runs, I mean, if you're going to hit the ball hard, yes, and pull the ball for sure. But um, if you get pull happy, like sometimes Matt Adams does, you can see his batting average drop quite a bit. Not saying that it's going to because it's pretty much in line with his career averages. Man, he's just on a tear right now, though. People will say he's never had a fair shake. I mean, he's had 135 games started before. You know, he's had 142 games played in St. Louis before. So he's he's had his fair shake, but he's also shown that he's been a pretty good power hitter but not necessarily a home run hitter maybe he had some sort of adjustment recently cuz his last couple of years he's had um a sluggy percentage close to 500 um that's pretty damn good so right. he can keep the, if he can maintain that sort of level of production This home run output, I think, is actually going to be pretty decently sustainable. I'm not saying that he's going to hit 40 home runs, but one year, I think ESPN projected him to hit 40 home runs. I think it was after 2016 when he hit 25 um, in 118 games.
0: And didn't he go on to hit like six and then he got traded or he... Only had a couple of them before he was traded to the Braves, and then all of a sudden, with uh, Freeman down, uh, he just took off.
1: Yeah, he pretty much did nothing, in th- in the same sample last year with the Cardinals, he had one home run and seven RBIs. So basically, this is the good, this is the bad of what you can get with Matt Adams— um, what's also really funny is, is that this time last year, Matt Adams was playing outfield in St. Louis and Tommy Pham was playing outfield in Memphis. So <laughs> when, when people want to talk about how good the Cardinals ownership and, and front office is, sometimes you think that maybe they're not necessarily as good as you think because they're still rostering. Oh, I'd say three guys that are probably droppable, um, that could easily be DFA and the team would become better. That's off my Cardinals, you know, hate bandwagon
0: well anyways okay so here are two other first base options that are picking up steam this week uh both are owned in less than 50 percent of leagues ryan healy is he somebody that you would potentially be targeting
1: yeah i think he would actually um he's had you know similar numbers to matt adams but with a little bit more actual home run production he's got pretty much the same slugging percentage for his career but if you look over 162 game average i know that's something keith likes to talk about the 30 home runs uh 89 rbis 282 batting average i mean that's pretty damn good numbers for you know somebody that you're gonna get super late in your draft or you know potentially even off a of free agency at this
0: point point. and the next one is mitch Moreland. he's somebody that i've picked up in a variety of leagues just due to first baseman going down corner infielders going down you can use him in a utility slot dh he's only owned uh, based in espn in 24 percent of leagues
1: i think that has to do with the fact that his coach doesn't even believe in him he's had a lot of games um let me check the game log i know i have him on a team and he does not play that often Let's see
0: right he's a guy that he'll get an O for one or a one for one maybe not play for two games and then go three for four or two for four or two for five and really it calls into question well what can they do in Boston to clear room for this guy. Because he's definitely a major league bat. He's a guy who should be playing more than he is. And yeah, I, I don't know what else you can do to fight your way into a lineup than what he's done.
1: No, I I agree. The only problem is is that he doesn't have a spot in the lineup. Still, it's kind of like um, Jesus Aguilar. Everything he's right. ever done in the major leagues is hit, and this is even better than Moreland. And somehow he gets put. He keeps getting put on the back burner, um, and they keep acting like he's he's not a good hitter. And so I don't understand. Moreland has not been that great of a hitter throughout most of his career, I'll be honest. Um, He's been pretty fairly consistently a 20-25 home run hitter. I guess 20-22 home run hitter um, for pretty much his whole career. Now, in Boston, it's a little bit easier to hit home runs. So maybe he can get up to 25, maybe scrape 30 if a a real good season happens, if he gets a full season of at-bats. But I just don't see it happening. I mean, they have J.D. now. That outfield is crowded, so they're not going to throw him out in the outfield. You know, they got Hanley. That he's a full-time DH. I just don't see anywhere where he's going to get a little bit more playing time. It sucks. It sucks that he ended right. up there.
0: And the only way I see this working out is that they've got somebody in their outfield right now that is just, he can't hit worth a lick right now. And that's Jackie Bradley Jr. Granted, his defense is excellent and in most places, including Boston, that keeps you in a lineup when you shouldn't be.
1: Yeah, I mean, look at Jason Hayward. He's pretty much in the lineup every day, too, whenever he's healthy. And he can't hit it all either. It's because he does elite defense things, um, except that one game against the Cardinals. Thanks for that. <laughs> gift that keeps on giving. But anyways... So that pretty much keeps you in the lineup on most days, though, with most teams, because if you're an elite defender out there, you're going to save more runs than you're going to not drive in. As long as they just bury you in the lineup in the eight or nine spot, they don't have to worry
0: about you. Valid. I know it's just frustrating with the the fantasy community where you have guys that should be producing much like Domingo Santana wasn't getting many at bats at all until Braun went down, Thames went down. and now Aguilar's getting a bunch of at bats. Domingo Santana's on fire this month. Uh, batting 350 plus. No, 393 so far in the month of May with an OPS over a thousand in 28 at bats so far. And huh. as soon as Thames gets healthy, he's gonna end up riding the pine or Braun finally either goes to the DL or sticks around healthy, somebody's got to get moved there.
1: Well, you know what I think. I think Braun's going to get hurt, so I'm still banking on that. <laughs> Even though Keith's not here, I'm going to give a little jab to the board bet. Speaking of that, I think uh, we should go over, recap some of the board bets throughout this year so far and one of the episodes here coming up maybe next week.
0: Yeah, for sure. Let's get everybody on and situated, and we'll roll through the the review on those because some of those are... Oh, they're not looking too good right now.
1: Yeah, some they're... of them people can throw on the
0: white towel right, right off the bat. <laughs> Pretty lopsided, and others, there's a chance for a rebound. All right, so let's move to the outfield. This is one that kind of shocked me. If you had to render a guess on the ownership of Matt Kemp, Jorge Soler, and Delino De Shields, which one is owned in more places.
1: Well, when I'm looking at the number in front of me... answer i'm supposed to say is not jorge soler but the answer is jorge soler it is and what's crazy is is that you would think the line of the shields would be like owned way more than both of the, those guys he's not but he did just come off the dl so that probably has a little bit of something to do with it, with, it you know does. most most standard leagues only have the the two dl spots but man oh man um, I just don't see it like Jorge Solera has been you know pretty decent this year and he, and he might be um, kind of comparable to last year's Avesel Garcia where he just kind of comes out of nowhere even though he was projected at a younger age to he may, the post-hype sleeper that really isn't going to do this another time is I guess what I'll say that's that's how I view Avesel Garcia's last year I don't think that he's going to have another one of those years in him I don't think potentially Soler if he keeps this up all year we'll have another year like this either
0: yeah he's kind of the the guy that you're either just gonna ride out for this season and see where it goes or use him as trade bait while he's still hot and pick up somebody that's going to produce long term for you if you're in a keeper or a dynasty league uh yeah so DeShields is only owned in 55 percent of ESPN leagues this needs to be remedied if he's available, pick him up. He's a guy that can go off for 40 stolen bases easy mm-hmm. the right re- the remainder of the season. Plus, he's got doubles, triples, power plus some some surprising pop from time to time.
1: Yeah, he's not going to give you a zero in the uh in the home run stat uh category, but he's decent in the on-base percentage, leagues. He's going to be decent in average leagues. He's not going to kill you anywhere except maybe home runs. Um, um, Rbis, but as we talked about before in, in previous podcasts, specifically with D. Gordon, um, you know, guys like this are very valuable because everybody else is hitting home runs and getting RBIs. So you can get that later in the draft or in a different spot where typically you wouldn't be able to get the stolen bases. Kind of grouped with that unless you pay a very high pick for it. So um, I kind of piece things together instead of getting guys that do it all. Those guys are much more expensive.
0: Yeah. And Matt Kemp is still available. If you're hurting for outfield, I would prioritize DeShields over Kemp. Kemp is having a career year. As of like a week ago, he was leading the, the majors in batting average for a while there. Uh, looking at third base, these two guys are both owned in under 70% of leagues Michael Franco and Eugenio Suarez. Both of them should be owned in more. Franco's been having kind of a breakout over the last two weeks. Suarez, he's been unbelievable since he's come back from a broken thumb. Uh, He was doing all right off the beginning of this season. Breaks his thumb, comes back red hot, and did he go off for another home run today? He's just been lights out. Is it really a breakout now? He's only 27
1: um i mean he had last year uh well i think that was kind of his uh his coming out party almost i mean he had a decent year the year before i think last year he kind of stepped it up a notch especially in the on base percentage category um but this year man he has is done very well for himself so far what's his babbit though let's see his babbit's right in the line with his career average so maybe it is something where it's some be sustainable
0: yeah currently ah. he's got a 310 Babbitt. batting average is actually 298 so it's pretty close to in line his woba is at 400 which is just a, a few ticks higher than his 376 on base percentage six home runs so far definitely somebody to keep on your radar and he's a guy that, that will be holding down that hot corner for cincinnati for the long term after that seven year deal they signed with him during spring training
1: I think that's what it is. Hold on one second. Suarez, he has cut his strikeout rate down substantially uh-huh. this year. So that's what it is. I was looking to see what could he have done to up his batting average that much without his BABIP uh, right, raising it all. And he's cut his strikeout rate by 6%, it looks like, this year from 23 to 17. And he maintained everything else pretty much across the board. So might be a guy to buy, I would Definitely,
0: say. Definitely, definitely. Uh, his teammate, Scooter Jeanette, there at second base is only owned in 57 percent leagues and he is the Just nl criminal. player of the week yeah
1: after last year i mean of course the the previous years before that and at the beginning of last year he was dfa'd but he's clearly got something figured out he played 141 games last year in cincinnati and hit 27 home runs this year so far he's played 39 games and he's hit six home runs he's basically doing the same thing this year as he did last year and you guys are all fools for letting him sit in your uh (laughs) that's not me being you know facetious or anything that's me laughing at you like out loud and pointing at you if i see you in a crowd and be like that's the guy that let scooter Jeanette sit in free agency for too long and then his buddy picked him up and then his buddy won the league
0: yeah let's turn to some pitching here because most of the names here are Younger guys who have made gigantic leaps in ownership. Sean Newcomb of the Braves had jumped 38% this week. He's now owned in 75% of leagues. And if you've missed the boat on him, you may have missed it completely. High strikeouts does have a walk issue, but he's got the stuff that if he can tone that down to be a high strikeout guy with decent ratios for you.
1: Um. Yeah, he kind of scares me. Uh, anybody that walks four, uh, more than four guys per nine innings is going to be somebody that is going to scare me um, fairly often. He has been really lucky so far this year. I mean, he's been almost unhittable as far as, um, you know, batters getting hits concerned. But, you know, when they actually start to normalize that a little bit, I think that his ERA and his FIP are going to jump up quite a bit. And I don't think that it's going to be very pretty. So I think that I would probably stay away. If you have him, I would actually probably try to get rid of him. Because even though the strikeouts are awesome, even though, you know, he was a young pitcher uh, or he's a young pitcher and, and he's got all this promise. I just if it's a redraft league, especially he's somebody that I would definitely try to dump on some other fool who doesn't necessarily look as deep into the stats.
0: All right, Sean Newcomb, he has a 17% strikeouts minus walk percentage. Uh, guys are only hitting 261 on balls in play, but he does have a low hard hit percentage under 30% at 26. Not great, that walk percentage of four Two, not very friendly there, yet somehow has an ERA of 2.5. FIP, they've got him at a 3.08. Interesting, somebody to watch, but the walk percentage really, really is <laughs> interesting there. Hard to stomach. Yeah, well, the next name on the list here has an even higher walks per nine at four, nearly 4.9, and that's Fernando Romero of the Twins. 23-year-old came up and wowed the fantasy baseball community. He's got a 0.54 ERA, 2.73 FIP, and in 16 innings has a K per nine of 10.8.
1: So I'm going to give him a little bit more of a pass. Um, and I know this is kind of sounding selective. The reason I'm going to give him more, a little bit more of a pass is because these are his first three games in the majors. Right. And he didn't have a 1.5 uh, whip last year. You know, Newcomb showed us last year. I know it was his first year, um, but I just don't think that he grew that much in one year. Now, if you look at Ramiro. He had a 2.5 ERA this year. Last year in AA, he had a 3.5 ERA. The year before, he had a 1.93 ERA. So, I mean, he's dominated pretty much every level. Um, I know his A stint was not as great, but it was what it was. So, I just think that he could potentially be someone I would actually target a little bit higher. Um, and I know it might be just, just be because he's a shiny new toy, and I've watched him dominate the Cardinals live, and he looked like it was free and easy, 97, 98, just popping. Wow.
0: Yeah, he's gone up 32% this week. He's now at 49% owned in ESPN leagues. So if you're going to be needing some starting pitcher reinforcements, now would be the time to go in on him. Um, Our next pitcher, Jeremy Hellickson, jumped 31% this week and is now owned in 35% of leagues. He's been looking really good this year, possibly a little deceptive, not a real high K per nine at just over seven, but he's keeping hard contact to a minimum, keeping it under 29%, 2.2 ERA, and kind of held the D-backs in check yesterday. So is he somebody you're looking at, Phil, or is it smoke and mirrors here?
1: I think I'm going to say a little bit of both because... I think he's a lot more of the pitcher he was last year, which is a 5.77 ERA and a lot less of the guy he is so far this year, the 2.81. But I mean, if he can keep not walking guys like that's, that's kind of been a big thing um, for me recently is trying to look at guys, not necessarily like how many guys you strike out. Um, It's, it's more to do with like you were saying the the strikeout percentage minus walk percentage um he's he's a guy that's actually not that bad in that that kind of category so i know it's been not that big of a sample size so far only 32 innings but i've seen a lot of what i like so far this year uh i don't know you know if he's on waivers i'd definitely give him a flyer but i'm not going to give anybody anything for him at this point
0: right i wouldn't be targeting him for a trade at all uh mostly due to age there and not yeah. the track record of this domination yeah his K minus walk percentage is 17 and a half uh his 0.86 whip is Highly unsustainable, even for him. But let's look at the next guy here Walker Bueller for the Dodgers. He's been filling in for Clayton Kershaw and been putting up numbers that we expect Kershaw to. Two and one with a 164 ERA. His FIP is right in line with it at 165. An 11K per nine and a 23% K minus walk percentage.
1: There is nothing to not like about Walker Buehler other than the fact that they're probably not going to let him pitch that many innings this year. The Dodgers have been very adamant that they were not trading a couple guys, and this was one of them. He is obviously still on their uniform for a reason, and I think they did a great decision because he looks great so far. There's nothing I can say other than, wow.
0: Yeah, he, you may have missed the boat on him. He jumped 20% this week um, after that assist in the no-hitter down in Mexico. Uh, he's at 70% owned. If he's available, he is definitely an arm to have on your bench and in your lineups. Now, this last starting pitcher arm is the intriguing one from Sunday. He's owned in 17% of leagues, call-up from the Brewers' Freddy Peralta. Currently, having only pitched 5.2 innings, he's got a negative FIP and a 20.65K per nine is that good? Yeah, definitely unsustainable. Okay. What was it? 13 strikeouts in the 17 outs that he faced yesterday.
1: Yeah, his K per 9 is 20.6. <laughs> <laughs> That's Josh Hader, Josh Hader basically. Yeah, yeah. Same team. Yeah. Almost the same guy.
0: Yeah, definitely. <laughs> He's got a walks issue. He did walk a few guys, but here's the intriguing part. I I looked into this shortly after seeing all the, the hubbub on Twitter about him. He threw 98 pitches. I think it was 90 of them were fastballs.
1: Yeah, but he has a couple of different kinds of fastballs, apparently. Uh, He's got a two-seamer and a four-seamer and a sinker and and you know a couple of different things going on. So that's a little bit deceptive. Um, it's kind of like saying, you know, Bartolo Colon throws 90% fastballs. Well, yeah, but do you see what Bartolo Colon does with
0: fastballs? The wizardry that he does with movement. Right. And, and that's what Peralta does as well. His fastballs, quote unquote, range from 87 miles an hour to 95, 96 mm-hmm. with nasty movement all around so he's an intriguing arm to pick up and he's probably available in your leagues unless you're in a deeper league where somebody has sniped him this first round through waivers well
1: and the other thing to keep in mind about that stat um it wasn't Coors so you have to think he probably wasn't very comfortable wanting to throw a curveball or anything like that Coors has been pretty notorious for curveballs and things not Breaking. Um, So if you throw all fastballs, hitters are not ready for it, especially you know with their first time seeing you, um, major league debut and all. Uh, So I think that was a really great, really great plan of attack for sure.
0: Nearly seventeen percent swing strike percentage in that game. Yeah, he if if he isn't already picked up, you better be picking him up. A couple intriguing reliever jumps. Uh, Tyler Clippard in the news of Roberto Osuna on administrative leave as the league investigates what went down with him. Clippard got the first shot at a save, and he's been used so far in those high leverage scenarios. Is this something he can hold on to, or should we be looking at O or Tepera or somebody else in that bullpen?
1: I hate to say it, but I think that they are going to do something dumb like give it to him. Uh, he's not the best pitcher in the bullpen, but you know, as his FIP suggests, is 4.1 FIP, which is 2.87 higher than what his WHIP is at this point. But he was, quote-unquote, an established closer for a couple of years. He's got 60 saves under his belt. I think that that's just, for whatever dumb reason, I know I said this in the past, what major league managers want to see. Uh,
0: the last name here is Blake Trinan of the Athletics. Is he somebody on your radar there for a closer? Yeah, he's been really awesome. He's been mighty nasty. There there were a few iffy ones there in the beginning, but he settled down, and since he's been traded to Oakland, um, he was traded in the Doolittle and Madsen deal at the deadline last year. He's pretty much been the lockdown closer for the Athletics. Currently has a .98 ERA, 2.55 FIP, and actually elevated 10.3k per nine, and an unsightly 1.3 whip. He has had a walks issue of late, but he's been pretty nasty in keeping people off the base paths once they get there and not letting them score.
1: Yeah. And that Oakland team's pretty bad. So he's getting a lot of save opportunities. I know he only had six so far this year. Um, but last year he ended the season with 13 saves. Um, so, yeah, I mean, he's a guy that has done pretty well so far, especially in a league that just as saves only. Um, he's, he's not going to hurt you in too many areas, maybe. Maybe that whip uh, could be a little bit lower. I think that ERA is going to come up a little bit, but his FIP is 2.55. Everyone would be happy with that as his ERA at the end of the year. So um, I think that's a little closer to what his uh, his career ERA is, uh, 3.0. So you know, if he ended up with a 2.55 ERA this year and kind of the same ratios and everything that he's got going on right now, um, ends with like 30, 35 saves, I think everyone would be. Ecstatic with that. And that pen really isn't something that's too great. I think he's going to kind of hold that job.
0: Yeah, there's not really anybody knocking on the door to steal his job there. Um, he is somebody that they've been willing and able to go more than an inning. Uh, looks like he went three innings in an extra inning game. Uh, there's quite a few 1.1, 1.2, two innings. So he's a guy that's going to help out ratio wise as well as as locking down some saves for you. And yeah, he has snaked a few wins as well. hmm All right, well, that'll wrap up today's episode. Thank you, Phil. And where can the people find you? I'm Phil, and I'm at the Baseball Jedi. I have been Jeremy. You can find me at Front Office Jer. Be sure to check out Todd over at Goldie Happens, Keith at Fantasy underscore Keith, and the podcast at Fan Front Office. And of course, all of our writing with all of our contributors and ourselves over at FanFrontOfficePodcast.com. And until next week, Memorial Day is coming up, Go enjoy some baseball. Go Dodgers. (laughs) Make up for the Dodger hate. Right.